It's got a soul, this here old farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We walk the fields under the stars. But love is here, Goldshaw Farms. Welcome to Goldshaw Farm. I'm your host, Morgan Gold. On each episode of our podcast, we bring you stories about people who are homesteading, farming, and chasing their dreams. And I know, it has been a little while since I recorded my last episode. I was actually just looking at it before I pressed record here today, and uh, it looks like it was just about a year since we put out our last episode. And I apologize for the absence, but there's been a whole heck of a lot going on at Goldshaw Farm over the last 12 months, and I feel like it's worth talking to you guys about it and catching you up on what's happening on the farm, and I'll be back probably next week with regular episodes where I'm interviewing people and or just telling stories about the farm, and so, yeah, let me catch you up on what's going on. I guess first off, if you're not familiar with who I am or who we are at Goldshaw Farm, let me just start there. I'm a uh, duck and goose farmer and tree farmer up in northern Vermont, in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom to be exact. Uh, I have been doing this now for about three years. I uh, started out as a guy with zero agricultural experience, spending most of my adult life living in cities like Boston and New York and Washington, D.C. and I guess you could call Hartford, Connecticut a city. You know, it was my time working in the corporate world that that really motivated me to explore regenerative farming and get interested in the idea of becoming a farmer. And ultimately in 2016, while my wife and I were still living and working in Washington, D.C., we bought a abandoned old dairy farm up in northern Vermont, uh, about 160 acres, uh, first settled in the 1830s got a gigantic 130 year old barn and so we bought that farm in 2016 and in late 2017 my wife Allison moved up to the farm and in the spring of 2018 I moved up to the farm as well and as I did I ended up buying a a small flock of ducks and began raising ducks on our farm in 2018. Uh, We added chickens and geese into the mix in 2019 and and here we are a couple years later and uh, yeah our our farm business consists of raising ducks and geese for meat and eggs and hatching eggs and breeding stock and guard geese and and that's a, a big part of what we do from our business perspective on the farm. We also grow trees. We have a 600 tree permaculture orchard meaning you know, a mixture of chestnut, apple, black locust, mulberry, mostly some walnut, um, some butternut, a couple of other species mixed in there as well, all interplanted. We raise those trees as well. We don't really produce many tree crops yet, but the long-term plan is that that will be a big part of our business mix for our farm. And so that's what we're doing. It's on a small scale. Um, I'm still learning a lot and still growing my skills. I'm still, you know, trying to figure out exactly what our farm's long-term business model or or business models are going to be. And uh, the other thing is I'm I'm also uh, the type of person who likes to document things. And, And so for the last three years too, I've been uh, running a YouTube channel about our farm called Goldshaw Farm as 
well as we've got uh, these days a pretty popular TikTok account, which I'll talk about in a little bit too and explain what's going on there. A while back, I started this podcast because what I was finding is I was meeting so many interesting people with interesting stories about how they started their farm or homestead and why they do what they do and what do they actually do that I felt like it'd be great to try to just have conversations with folks and, and learn about their story. And, and so that was my original impetus for, for starting the podcast uh, back in, gosh, when was it? I guess it was the, the spring of 2019. And, uh, you know, been trying to keep it semi-weekly-ish. Um, as I start things back up again, it'll be probably something along those lines. But the challenge is it's it's time. And, and time is probably my biggest constraint and my biggest enemy. And, and I probably need to figure out a way to make it more of my asset. Um, because, you know, along with running the farm as well as creating content on the farm, I also have a, a, a day job that I work. And... Uh, yeah, all those things really keep me busy. <laughs> but like I said, I, I've, I've missed the podcast. I've missed connecting with you guys and being able to just sort of kick back and talk to you or kick back and, and talk to somebody who's got a very interesting story. And so um, consider this Goldshaw Farm Podcast 2.0 and uh, kind of really kickstarting things into gear again. As far as what's been going on with our farm in the last year, let me let me catch you guys up. So I think where we last left you, um, you know, last summer I was raising geese still, raising ducks still, and uh, you know we had our livestock guardian, who I think was still technically a puppy at the time, uh, Toby Dog, and Toby has really grown and matured and and become an absolutely integral part of our farm, and you know, like my my close working partner as I as I work around the farm, he's been protecting our animals and keeping them safe. He's uh, just, yeah, just been awesome. We also have a uh, barn, one bar, actually we have a couple barn cats now. I should talk about the barn cat situation. So, you know, a big part of what I believe in the farm, right, is to balance an ecosystem that is our farm. And so, for example, things like birds attract predators. And because we attract those predators, um, having a guard dog to keep the predators away is part of how I balance the ecosystem. The other thing that happens though is when you have birds like ducks and chickens especially you attract rodents because the ducks and chickens will spill their feed everywhere and then the rodents will be attracted to that and their populations will grow the rodents attract predators as well so the rodents will attract things like foxes and coyotes and hawks so, so the more rodents we have running around the more of those predator types that we have running around and those animals, those predators also end up attacking things like my ducks. Like, so for example, back in the spring of 2019, we had a really awful attack on our ducks where uh, for two nights in a row, a mink, which is like, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a big weasel. It's, it's I think it's part of the mustelid family of, of animals. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an animal that definitely likes to eat rodents. It's more of an aquatic one it lives like on the stream that's right by our, our pasture and it came in two nights in a row killed several ducks injured and maimed several more ducks I ended up having to put a few of those ducks down and it was just an awful experience and it was that experience that motivated me to get Toby dog but it also means I need to have barn cats and so on our farm we have a couple barn cats we have Pablo barn cat who was uh, the first animal on our farm we got him in the, the spring winter of 2018 
and uh, he, he's just an awesome, you know, barn cat out there kind of slaughtering and murdering everything. I think where you guys last left off on the podcast, right? Um, we also had a second barn cat, Lil Barn Cat. She was a kitten that we got in the spring of 2018. And she was, you know, <laughs> probably my favorite cat. Admittedly, don't tell Pablo that, but Lil was, Lil and I had, had this special bond since the morning that she was dropped off on the farm as a kitten. And, you know, I loved her so, so much, but I guess it was the end of June last year, um, she got hit by a car. And uh, I, I didn't see it happen. Um, my neighbor uh, was actually the one that hit her. And he, to, to his credit, stopped and, and said, hey, look, I, I, I think I hit your cat. Um, we looked for her. We couldn't find her. Um, you know, and basically had to make the assumption that, that she'd passed away, which, um, you know, frankly broke my heart because I love this little kitten so much. And. You know, to see her cut down and die so so young was, was just crushing to me. But actually the next day, because that, that happened on a Saturday, that Sunday, later that night, despite the fact that we had spent easily five or six hours looking for her over the last couple of days, she showed up on our front doorstep um, badly injured but alive. And, and Allison and I rushed her to the emergency vet and we, you know, got her medical care and, and actually a lot of viewers of our YouTube channel and, and listeners to the podcast actually ended up helping us too financially. And we paid for a number of surgeries because she had a, a, a shattered pelvis and a ruptured bladder as well as a few other issues. And, um, you know, when I last recorded the podcast, she was still in rough shape. I think she's probably still in intensive care at the animal hospital, but, um, over the last year, she has made a pretty incredible recovery and, and she's, you know, lost a step. She's not as, as nimble as she used to be, not as fast as she used to be, doesn't jump as well as she used to be, but um, she's healthy. And so we've actually made her an indoor house cat. And so even though I am allergic to cats, uh, we now have an indoor cat. And uh, yeah, she spends most of her time in my office hanging out with me while I work and uh, I absolutely love her and that was like one of those miracles of 2020 for me because like I said I, we really did think she was dead but she survived the problem was we only had one barn cat left and so you know just actually a, a few weeks ago we just added two new barn cats into the mix so we have Molly barn cat and her daughter Ginny barn cat so there's a, definitely a, a Harry Potter theme naming convention going on there but uh they're two new barn cats. I'm actually in the process as I record this of training them up. I'm actually taking Molly to the vet tomorrow for vaccinations, taking Ginny for vaccinations as well. Also going to get uh, Molly fixed so she can't have any more babies. Um, and, and actually they'll be released around the farm and, and they will be working alongside Pablo. So that's definitely one thing that's happened in the last year um, related to, to what's happening with the farm. A second thing that, that's happened on the farm since I recorded my last podcast is, is you know, I mentioned Toby Dog, and he has been just an awesome companion. And we love having him so much that we decided to get a second dog. So we'd always have two livestock guardian dogs, a male and a female, working as a team on the farm. So I started working last fall with our breeder that we got Toby from, 
to actually get a puppy that would be a niece of Toby's. So my intention wouldn't be to breed them, but to just have the two of them together. I absolutely love these breeders. They do such great work. They raise such great dogs. Um, Toby has been incredible. And, and so I really was trying to replicate that. Um, I was hoping at this point to have gotten a puppy, but unfortunately their dogs have been having trouble conceiving. And uh, you know this has been going on really since last fall. Um, there's been several attempts to try to um, get uh, the mother pregnant and that's failed. And so now coming to a conclusion that we, we actually might have to go to a plan B. I, I really didn't want to work with a different breeder but it's starting to look like that might be the case. And so that's one that's, that's up in the air on the farm right now and, and somewhat unresolved, but I'm, I'm definitely looking for a new solution. And so if you stay tuned to the podcast, you will definitely find out what happens. Or if you stay tuned to all of our other social media platforms, you'll find out too, which I don't know, maybe it's probably a third thing to talk about that's happened in the last year. It has, has actually been part of why I haven't recorded any podcasts. Um, You know, I always have had this intention uh, ever since I started the farm that, you know, part of our business strategy would be to leverage social media to tell the story of our farm and and really document the process of me being a guy with no agricultural experience learning how to farm so that as we have farm products, there's actually a built-in audience who is is out there and, and available to to buy our products because i so often i found that i would know these farmers who were really good at raising food but were struggling from a sales and marketing perspective and so you know i always prioritize this idea of telling the story of the farm so that it would help when it came time to sell things from the farm and so you know i started a youtube account i started this podcast i you know in the last year started a TikTok account which is now up over seven hundred thousand followers which kind of blows my mind and I didn't expect that to ever happen. And and I got to say, it's been an amazing uh, experience in terms of creating content, you know, like from, from having the experience of being featured on the front page in the New York times, like happened last August, or to have um, Vermont Senator Patrick Leahy talk about our farm on the floor of the U S Senate, you know, recognizing it as a sort of different agricultural model. That to me has been like, mind-blowing and I would have never expected something like that to happen but it's 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 been a tremendous honor and I feel super lucky um, that you know our farm has had this weird sort of uh, social media presence that almost overshadows what we do agriculturally and and to be honest from a business standpoint we definitely make more money still from uh, our social media activities versus um, actually selling direct farm products but but those two things work hand in hand because the way we've been growing, you know, has been to take the money we make from things like YouTube and put it towards investing in infrastructure on the farm. Some of the major infrastructure that we built in the last year um, or acquired has been, uh, you know, we, we fenced in about 10 acres of pasture on the farm. So uh, we, we basically are able to free range our geese now and Toby's there to protect them and a fence is that you're able to keep everybody in place as well as keep some of the critters from coming in. We also were able to uh, buy a tractor. So, so we got a Kubota MX-6000 tractor, which has been just such an amazing addition. It's helped me get so much more work done around the farm in a 
I'm super grateful for having that tool on the farm. And, and that was something that I didn't have to go into debt for because I was able to pay for through YouTube. Um, and, and actually, as I gear up for really the next big chapter in our farm, um, it's, it's again, it's social media that's going to be funding it. And, and that is, I am in the process right now of buying some cattle. So uh, my, my long-term plan had always been to be raising beef on our farm. You know, we're, we have lots of pasture. We are in a great area for raising beef. I have always loved the idea of rotational grazing. I remember from some of my earliest days of exploring the idea of being a regenerative farmer, seeing farms like Polyface Farm down in Virginia and, and seeing how they are able to graze their animals that was motivation and inspiration for me. And while I feel like it's been awesome to work with something like geese, and I will continue to work with, with an animal like a goose as part of the, the agricultural mix on our farm, adding another animal like a cow into the mix and, and, and raising beef, that I'm, a, I'm very excited to be taking that step. And so my plan is that you know later this summer into the early fall, I'm still trying to nail down the exact timing, we'll be adding somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight cattle, um, a mixture of heifers, um, cow, calf pairs, um, maybe a steer or two um, as, as, as sort of an initial start to a herd. We will be, you know, running a cow-calf operation, meaning that we will try to, you know, get all of our, our females pregnant and have them birthing babies and, you know, taking the males and castrating them and raising the steers for meat. Uh, taking the females, adding them to our breeding stock. Um, in terms of, of what we're going to do for a bull, I'm still figuring that out. We might, you know, buy a bull, we might rent a bull, or I might get into the crazy and wild world of cattle artificial insemination, um, which, you know, <laughs> would have never been a world I thought I'd be entering, say, 10 years ago. But, but here I am researching, you know, how to, you know, impregnate a cow with uh, semen straws. And, and so I'm still figuring that part out, but the intention would be we raise these cattle for beef and um, the, the business side of it would be, I'm also looking at starting a, I'll call it a beef jerky company, but actually the product we might end up making is called Biltong. Uh, it's a, a, a form of South African uh, dried beef. And I've been experimenting with it lately and it's it's been coming along really well. And so the idea would be we get the cattle this fall, we butcher our first animal next fall, and we start selling product uh, later that fall. And so uh, I'm working towards that right now. And then that's, that's taken a lot of my time as well, just you know, learning something new, figuring out the infrastructure. Um, you know, just this past weekend, I was, I was working on laying water lines for the cattle. I'm gonna be fencing in about another 30 acres of pasture by the end of the summer as well for, for, for future grazing activity for the cattle. And so I'm just, you know, continuing to grow and continuing to build. And uh, all of this is, is definitely taking time. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's, I think those are the major highlights as I look at this little note card I have jotted down and taped to my steering wheel as I drive, uh, you know, that I wanted to talk to you about. I also should know, yeah, I am in the truck driving somewhere. I am going to try to start recording these podcasts more frequently, but the trade-off might be I have to record them while I'm on the go. Oftentimes in Vermont here, 
I've got like hour, hour and a half drives to go do something. And it's lots of dead air time. And it's not like I can call friends or family because the cell phone reception is horrible here. And so maybe recording these podcasts becomes an opportunity. And so I'm gonna look forward to using this uh, time in travel as a time to connect with you guys on the podcast. Um, I will be back next week with uh, actual interviews too. I've got a couple good ones coming up. I've got uh, my buddy Ben from the Urban Rescue Ranch. I've got another friend uh, named Dan Oman from the Grass-Fed Farmer out in uh, Idaho talking about his story. And, and, I, and I'm going to continue to really focus on telling some great stories of people who are starting homesteads and farms because you know, one of the other things that I, I've been so impressed by over the last three years is the community that exists around farming and homesteading and, you know, trying to be a, a platform to surface folks is, is definitely what I want to do. And so if you're interested uh, in even appearing and trying to tell your story on the farm, um, definitely go to my website and you can just shoot me a note and, and let me know you're interested. Just be sure to mention this and that you want to be on the podcast in the headline and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as I can. And uh, yeah, also, if you want to do us a super, super huge favor, um, please, by all means, rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. You know, especially because we took this hiatus, it, it actually hurts us in the uh, um, podcast algorithm department. Um, and, and so as we look to get things restarted, if there's anything you'd want to do and you find you're getting value from this content, please share the podcast. Please, you know, put in a new review or new rating. It'd be greatly appreciated. And I look forward to coming back very, very soon to present another story to you guys. Um, it'll, it'll be next week. I'm going to try to be as much as I can on a weekly publishing schedule. Um, so I will do, do my best to do that as well. And so with that, I will say goodbye for now and let my good friend, Mr. Keith Pierce, play our theme song to end the show. Thanks, everybody. It's got a soul, this hero farm. It falls asleep inside my arms. We work the fields under the stars. The love is here at Goldshaw Farms. City life, yeah, had its charms But we would dream of the fields under the stars I fall asleep inside its arms The love is here at Goldshaw Farms The love is here at Goldshaw Farms